Welcome to the Andy Staples Show, full-ish weekend edition. We have games to talk about. We have lots and lots of games to talk about, presuming they haven't been canceled. We are recording this. We got to timestamp it these days. Recording this on Thursday afternoon. Hopefully, most of the games we talk about today will be played on Saturday. Joining me, as he does every Friday, Ari Wasserman, the Athletics recruiting writer and gambling aficionado. We're gonna we're gonna talk some numbers. Ari, seem you seem surprised when I texted you and said we we're gonna talk lines and over unders. Yeah, I, I wasn't anticipating it, but I don't know if I'm a gambling aficionado. Like you no know more uh, than me. I mean, you're no Stuart Mandel, I, uh, but come on. Who is? Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I don't toss dimes around, but like we'll, <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll uh, see what we can do. We uh, last week I was in Las Vegas um, for the first time ever on a college football Saturday because uh, I wasn't covering a team for the first time in ten years, and uh, this is kind of a weird you, year. And you, I got to say, you could have still gone to Vegas if you were covering that team, Ari. Yeah, yeah. Well, I will say that like if the time ever comes where. I'm no longer in this profession, and I hope that doesn't happen. But if it does, I will be sitting in a sports book every Saturday for the rest of my life. It's good to have goals. It's, it's good. <laughs> yeah. It's good to know what you want <laughs> out of life. No, I'd, I'd be all right with that. I, I've never done the first weekend in the NCAA tournament in Vegas or or any of that. I think that yeah. would be a lot of fun. I, I just and, and I think a big college football weekend would be a lot of fun too. And you know, last weekend probably not the ideal college football weekend for that because it was a pretty thin one. This one. There's some stuff going on now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Last week was uh, really, really dry, but it was pretty fun sweating the second half of the uh, Oklahoma State game. So, like, uh, uh, there's no more interesting uh, of a game than one that you've got money on. Uh, and uh, when you're in Vegas, it's a fun time to do it. So, uh, this week, looking at the chart, though, looking at the, sl- the slate, I feel like tomorrow I'm going to – I haven't watched game day yet. Like, I'm going to wake up. I'm going to have the full experience. I think I'm going to watch on Saturday all day well, the first as, time. As well, I'm you excited. should. I mean, the noon slate is more complete, has more storylines than any single Saturday we've had so far, and it's just the noon slate. So it, it feels like that, that we're actually in this season. And I, I'm you know thinking about you've got – Lane Kiffin's debut at Ole Miss against Florida at noon. You've got Kentucky Auburn at noon Eastern. I mean, it, it's and it just keeps on going. Uh, this the the SEC being injected into this is is crazy because it's it's so weird that the you know the basically the entire SEC is just parachuting in on this season, and I feel like it's somewhat snuck up on us because. We've been so focused on who's playing now and who and, and the teams that were trying to play and the issues they had trying to play and some of the storylines that have that have come out of that, like Miami being capable on offense for once, uh, that we've we've gotten there there's the SEC where everything is more dramatic. They say it just means more, but it's just more drama usually and you've got all these crazy things you've got like Kentucky and Auburn and the Joey Gatewood transfer and you got uh, Mike Leach making his debut as an SEC coach at LSU you've got South Carolina Tennessee which I'm I keep telling people you could tell me a whole bunch of different potential outcomes for this game and I would completely believe you because I have no idea what's going to happen you know yeah I got I got to say I love that not only is the SEC parachuting in, but they're not parachuting in with bad games. 
Like, I mean, some of them are lopsided. These are actually the worst games they could give us. I mean, they they intentionally... We're we're not going from the hot tub into the pool. That would be if they started with next week's schedule. Yeah, well, what I'm saying, though, is is there's no uh, FCS opponents, No. no... it, it's like actual conference games, and like I don't know which one you're most excited about, but like I'm super excited to watch um, Kentucky. I'm I'm going to that game, so yeah, I'm very excited about that because Kentucky to me feels like that team that will be dangerous every single week, no matter whether they're favored, not favored. They're going to be dangerous to the teams that we expect to be good in the SEC because Kentucky's competently coached they're good on both lines of scrimmage i mean uh, they're they've got a bunch of nfl offensive linemen and when you have a bunch of nfl offensive linemen guess what you'll be pretty good yeah i don't know if we're mixing in the the gambling talk just yet oh, feel free I, I i saw the um the spread earlier this week um for the kentucky auburn game and kentucky i think was catching 12 uh, or 11 and a half and i just looked again today when you asked me to give you some surprising lines because i knew for sure that that was going to be on my list because that kind of struck stuck out to me when I was looking at it and now it's down to seven and a half like I still think I take two scores in that game regardless but um you know the thing that's crazy about Auburn is is they're so wildly inconsistent you don't really ever really know what to get what you're going to get but like I like am a Kentucky believer um in in the sense that they actually have some SEC talent on that team now they've recruited well they've they've shown they're good developers I, I believe in Mark Stoops and I personally think that if I were um, the head coach of a lot of programs, particularly in the Big Ten, I would do anything I could <laughs> to get Mark Stoops to be my head coach, even though he's got the best job in the world, as we've pointed out it before. It is by far the best job in the world because they will build you a statue <laughs> if you can win eight games a year. Why would you leave yeah. that? Because they can pay you the same as everybody else. Why would you yeah. leave that for a place where they'll run you out of town if you don't win 10 every year? Yeah, I mean, I think it's an interesting like dynamic of being able to look into a situation where you have a really good coach who was given time, you know, because the expectations are lower. And I do think that a lot of times in college football, we as fans and, um, you know, people who, you know, watch it expect changes and expect improvement more quickly. But sometimes it takes three or four years to really to change a program. And I think Kentucky now might be like approaching its ceiling. Um, I've written a, a lot about in the past how well they've recruited, but in the SEC, if you want to do better than eight games and win a SEC championship, you got to go from top twenty to top seven, and they haven't really quite made that jump yet. But Kentucky has done a really good job of feeding on the leftovers in Ohio, um, getting some really good players here and there, keeping a top hundred player at, at home in Lexington this year, and they actually have like a, a solid roster that can compete everywhere. Well, I was going to say their center is also another one who could have gone anywhere. He could have gone Alabama. He could have gone pretty much anywhere in the SEC, and he decided to stay home. So they are getting some of those guys. They're just not getting – they're not going to get them all. I mean, like, what if Rondell Moore had, had stayed in the state of Kentucky and gone to Kentucky? Yeah, Woo! yeah, and that was a really weird recruitment too. But, like, that's all it takes sometimes. It's like that one, like, undersized kid or that one overlooked prospect to go to the right place and thrive. And, like, the fact that he – is now coming back to Purdue, I think, is like the best news that we've gotten in college football in a while and made the sport better, more fun, and made Purdue uh, a much watch, in my opinion, every week if you have the opportunity to do so. So here's the thing with Kentucky-Auburn. You look at that line, you're like, okay, that, that it, was, it was pretty high and it's come down to 7.5. But the thing is, and this is what you always have to worry about with Auburn, is if they play up to their potential, this is two, three-touchdown game because Auburn has it, athletes all the time. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, nothing's easy in the gambling world. If you're not sweating, you're not doing it right. So I, I, I feel like if uh, – yeah, you're not telling me anything I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, you know, it, it's uh, – but, like, you, that extra half point there was pretty big to me. I, I think that, like, I could definitely see this being a one-score game in the fourth well, quarter. Well, I'm, I'm fascinated to see Auburn's offense with Chad Morris running it. You know, it, it was not a good tenure as the head coach at Arkansas. It was pretty miserable, actually. But the man ran a good offense at SMU – he was obviously a very good offensive coordinator at Clemson. I think he's going to do fine without the the extra pressure of being an SEC head coach. Gus Malzahn dealing with that pressure, and he's dealt with it for a long time. So uh, he's now taking the play calling once again off his plate. But I feel like there, there's some weapons. We, we don't know about Auburn's line yet. That's a, that's a work in progress. But I think Bo Nix is going to be better. And I love the idea of being able to throw to Seth Williams. I, I, I'm curious to see what they came up with for Anthony Schwartz because he is the fastest human being in college football. You have to find a way to use that guy and use him effectively. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and the biggest jump too for uh, a quarterback uh, is from freshman to sophomore year, I think. So like, I, I do think that there's a chance that like, I mean, what, which Auburn are we going to get this year? The five loss weird Auburn? Or are we going to get like the national championship? It's an even year. Auburn? So we're supposed to get the bad one, but the thing is yeah. it's not all right. <laughs> Hammer Kentucky. It's not a normal even year. That's, that's the thing, and and it's it was gonna change. It's a double negative. Yeah, it was gonna change anyway because you know originally they were upset because they had to go to Georgia and to Alabama in a two weeks you know two of three weeks, and they were already changing the, the SEC schedule so that didn't happen. The Georgia Auburn game had been moved to earlier in the regular schedule, but now those games are completely split apart. You know, week two and and week ten basically. So I I don't know. I, I think the the whole even odd thing now is on its ear as well so i don't know if that's gonna work Let, let's talk about a game uh, a team you watched intently last week and and i did too i thought it was a very interesting second half in that tulsa oklahoma state game but west virginia goes to oklahoma state now this opened at oklahoma state minus six it has since moved to oklahoma state minus seven and the over under has dropped from 56 to 51.5 which uh, after watching last week, I'm surprised it hasn't dropped more than that. But West Virginia is going to be a better coached team than Tulsa. If you watched West Virginia at the end of last season, they were starting to hit their stride a little bit, despite the fact that Neil Brown took over a roster that needed a lot of work. I, this may be an upset, Ari, because I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what Oklahoma State is. You know, it looked like they once Shane Illingworth came in and he was their third string quarterback, but once he came in. Their offense settled down. It looked like they could get down the field. But the thing is, now he's going to be dealing with a much different level of talent on the other side of the ball. Mm-hmm. Does that change anything? Well, what I think is a really easy thing to do, um, both in journalism and gambling, <laughs> is That's um, always how the best sentences start. <laughs> yeah, uh, overreacting to results from week one. And like I can understand like in a pandemic year where – uh, your starting quarterback gets injured on like the first or second drive and things don't go according to plan at home and then the pressure mounts and then Tulsa's feeling good and then you know how that stuff happens. We we've been around the block so, a few so, times. So what you're saying like, what out- you're saying is Chuba's gonna run for hundred and eighty yards and Tylen Wallace is gonna catch like seven passes yes. for one fifty six. I mean, like I know that like West Virginia at s- some point this week was catching eight and a half. And, like, that is a really intriguing number because Oklahoma State couldn't score a touchdown against Tulsa. But it's like if they snap out of it, like, didn't people think 
that this was a dark horse like playoff contender this year? Or like do they just like suck now because they had a bad first week? And like that's the thing that's interesting. I, I feel like I might still take West Virginia seven and, seven and a half, catch two scores, but like if this thing jumps down under one score, like what is West Virginia a prize this year? Like I, I still think I would ride Oklahoma State. Get get the quarterback uh, some time to, you know, adjust and, and come in with a game plan and you know, they still have if you ranked all the players in this team, would Oklahoma State have the top three? Like I, I, I don't know. I think that at home that this could be a opportunity to right the ship. So let's stay in the Big Twelve. And you mentioned first week overreactions or first game overreactions. So there are three Big Twelve teams that lost to Sunbelt teams in their opener. Which of those teams is its opponent going to uh, going to underestimate because they lost to a Sunbelt team? Is it going to be Oklahoma with K State? Is it going to be TCU with Iowa State? And we're not including Kansas in this because Kansas lost to Coastal Carolina because they're Kansas. I don't know. Uh, Kansas State, maybe. I like To me, like I don't know if you're looking at my list because you keep jumping to games that I wrote down. Like Iowa State is a two-and-a-half-point road favorite, but I don't know how much the road matters. Well, and, the, and, and we don't know uh, about the TCU quarterback situation because yeah, Duggan is, I don't know, is like I'm, eligible to play. Downing, it sounds like, may start because he's been getting the, the most reps with the ones, but Duggan could come in. I mean, it's a pretty pretty fluid situation, it sounds like. Yeah, I think going in blindly that I'm, like, all over Iowa State in this one. Um, and, like, again, sometimes you just have to lean into what the public's doing, like fade the public. And, like, if everybody's just going to assume that everybody sucks because they had a bad first week. Like, the thing I don't understand about this year is that isn't that what everybody was anticipating was going to happen, too? Of course. Like, weren't we anticipating teams were going to have sloppy, weird first weeks? Um, like, to me, I just feel like if a team has already played a game, um, I, like, also think that's an advantage to a team because TCU hasn't played yet. So, like, I would I would lean Iowa State there every time. Now, um, you know, am I am I uh, wrong? Maybe, but let's ride. Just ride my ride me yeah, all and week, it, and we'll see what happens. <laughs> K State, Oklahoma. That's one of those. I don't. I'm not sure it would have mattered what the situation with K State is. They they beat Oklahoma last year. They will not sneak up on Oklahoma this year. So I, I'm not as worried about Oklahoma in that situation. It's time to talk about artifact, guys. This is an unbelievable product. It is essentially a personalized podcast that you can record for yourself or for your kids. You can give as a gift. Professional interviewer will interview you and create a beautiful podcast that you can keep forever. Uh, you can do things like have them interview your parents about what their lives were like before you were born. Uh, you could interview your grandparents to get a family history. Uh, do it as a birthday gift. I think you could do it as a, for a proposal where you know one member of the couple talks to a bunch of the f- couple's friends and and you get a bunch of quotes and talk about the relationship and how it evolved and at the end boom you pop the question it'd be great i did an artifact of my own it was about my time as a human tackling dummy for the florida gators it's something i thought maybe my kids and their kids would be interested in and it happened pretty long time before my kids were born so uh, now they have a record of it and all the all the times I got beat up and getting the Rudy speech and all that so it was a great experience it was very easy I just went in answer a few questions then they set up a time a professional interviewer called me asked me all the pertinent questions took me through the entire narrative and when they were done boom beautiful podcast here's a little bit of it and so he gave me the Rudy speech there's that speech where the walk-ons are trying out and the coach goes, 
your greatest value to this program is we don't care if you get hurt. And Jamie basically gave me that speech. Not in so many words, but you are, you are a human tackling dummy. You are here to be abused by the good players. To really get what this is all about, just need to listen to my episode. You can do that at heyartifact.com slash Andy. And the link is also listed in the show notes. So listen to my artifact at heyartifact.com slash Andy. And then when you decide to do your own artifact, you get $40 off by using the code Andy. Artifact is a great gift, a great way to record your own history. It's something I wish I could have done with my mom. If you get a chance to do it, go for it. Go to heyartifact.com slash Andy and see what it's all about. Let's go back. We'll jump back to the SEC because this is not a gambling question because, honestly, the line is, is pretty high. It should be high. It's Georgia-Arkansas. But we're going to see Georgia's new offense for the first time. It has been under wraps completely. It has not been revealed to the public at all. So we are going to see what Georgia is supposed to look like on offense this year. What do you think they look like? Well, let me tell you a little story about Dwan Mathis. Oh, boy. This guy oh boy. was once committed to Ohio State. And as you know, I was a pretty big uh, Ohio State recruiting writer. So I went up to Detroit um, – was this two years ago now? Mm-hmm. And I just was like, who is this quarterback from Detroit that's like a three-star prospect? Um, and this guy was the most confident, arrogant, like everything I l- you love about a quarterback personality. And like I think that people view him as like this like throw-in flip at the end because Ohio State got Justin Fields and like whatever. This is a really good prospect. Well, it, it wasn't like, the decision-making process like – Justin Fields told the Georgia coaches he was leaving. It was, became abundantly clear Ohio State was the front runner to land him as a transfer. And Dewan Mathis looked at that and said, I don't know when I might be able to get on the field there, but it might be sooner at Georgia. Yeah, it's like almost like if Georgia is going to forever have to live with the idea that at one point um, they could have kept Justin Fields and maybe won a national championship with him then at least like there's a possibility of a silver lining that like Dewan Mathis went the other way as a result of all of this. And like Dewan Mathis is somebody I think who could be really, really good. And like I would I would take I would lay the twenty eight in this situation because if he's the guy, I, I think that he could play just as as well as Jake Fromm did at, at that points in last year. Well and the thing is he can do the things that they were hoping Jamie Newman would be able to do when they took him as a transfer because the idea was to run a little bit more. Kirby has been intrigued with the idea of a quarterback who could run a little more. Remember they, remember they, they got in on Dylan Gabriel toward the end of his recruitment, but Gabriel stuck with, with UCF. And for those who don't know before Gabriel committed to UCF, he was committed to army. So he has that, that beautiful left hand, you know, left arm, but he's also a good runner. So Georgia was kind of moving in that direction all along and now they have plans to go that way jamie newman opts out jt daniels is there but he's not necessarily he's i don't think he's been medically cleared yet but even if he is it might be that dewan mathis is just the 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 right guy for the offense that todd munkin's planning to run i don't know and i i saw where his private quarterback coach said that he's up to 225 pounds now I did the uh, the officiating thing at the Georgia Spring game last year. So this was before Dewan Mathis 
found out that he had a, a cyst on his brain and had to have emergency surgery that cost him last season. But he played for the mo- you know most of that spring game, and he was very skinny. You know, kind of looked like James Blackman from Florida State in terms of stature. But now his, his private quarterback coach from Michigan saying that he's 225 pounds, which 6'6", 225 is the same size Justin Herbert was as a freshman at Oregon. Yeah, I mean, I don't like – I love his attitude. And let me just tell you, Andy, uh, for people who don't know his recruitment, he went to Ohio State while he was committed to Michigan State – um, on a secret visit, which I also love because why does it have to be a secret when there's children involved with adults? Um, and then he went to one of their major camps um, behind um, everybody's back. I, I don't know if that's the way to put it, but he went without the permission of Michigan State. He went in there and he took an offer from a kid um, named Moore, who is now the starting or, or oh, was the starting at t- quarterback at Tennessee. At Tennessee. Yeah. And like the entire time, Ohio State thought they were going to take Brian Moore, and then Mathis took his spot, and it turned into this huge deal because he showed up, went to a camp, he got the offer, he took the offer immediately, and then Ohio State no longer had room for Brian Moore. And then when I asked Mathis about it, at the end he goes, um, I don't know what to say, I don't want to sound arrogant, but first come, first serve. It's like a job offer. It's on the table, you have to take it, you either eat or get eight. And wow. It's just like, I don't know, this is on The Athletic, go read my story. Like It was like one of the, like, and this is his attitude, and like, I love it. I, I have like, a feeling I would bet if, on this guy. If, if this works out well for Georgia, there will be eat or get eight T-shirts. I, I mean, I should re- redo the story because it has nothing to do with with Georgia and everything to do with how he ended up committing to Ohio State. But like the attitude doesn't change. No, like you th- people thought that he was like this like mild mannered like kid from Detroit who was going to Michigan State, and like the fact that he found his way into potentially being. Georgia starting quarterback this soon like I know that like people have hated me in the past for my take on Kirby Smart and letting Justin Fields go and we can go down that road or we can avoid it depending on what you want to do with your show um but I think that if this is a silver lining and he turns out to be a three three-year starter potentially or maybe an NFL draft pick like maybe this is the guy that they need to put them over the top oh yeah no and, like it's- I saw that like Florida was picked to win um, yes. their division. Yes. And I was like, what? Like, can we do the stars thing? Like, can we talk about that? Well, we, that was imp- we can, we can do the stars thing because this is, this is the argument I get in a lot around here. Cause people say, well, look at what Dan Mullen's done. And I say, yeah, he's done a great job at Florida. He has to work so much harder to win those games than Kirby yeah. smart has to work to win those games. Georgia has 12 more five-star prospects and four more four-star prospects, which is almost 20% of the roster of higher talent compared to what Florida has, and that doesn't even take into account the uh, levels of four-star prospect. And as we've gone through a thousand times, but how about we go a thousand and one more? There's 350 or 400 four-star prospects in every class. If you are the 50th ranked player in the country, you can be a four-star prospect and you can be a uh, 310 overall player and be a four-star prospect that's still a huge difference like Georgia's lopsided in the talent advantage and people are just assuming well Jamie Newman opt out Georgia's gonna suck um they might have a really good quarterback and as we've seen time and time again young quarterbacks come in and are really good right away especially when they're surrounded by how Georgia is loaded they I can't like they are loaded and like you show me a gambling line where Georgia's an underdog to win their uh their win their their game against Florida or win their side of the SEC or however you want to put it. I'm I take out my Amex and take credit. I, I would be curious where uh, 
where a line maker would set the line for Florida Georgia today. Now, granted, neither one's played, but I think they'd probably still favor Georgia by a little. Now, the thing is, Florida kind of outshoots its recruiting rankings because, like Kyle Trask, if Kyle Trask were like anyone else in the state of Texas, his family would have just moved. He would have been a starting quarterback. He would have been a four or five star guy like Derek King. Or, or, you know, Derek King was the starting quarterback at Manville. His parents were happy there, so Trask stayed at Manville and was the backup. And so he would be a higher-ranked recruit. Now, we, we've seen that he's a really good quarterback. That part is is without question. Now, And, and also, it will be interesting because Florida has gotten a couple transfers in Justin Shorter and Brenton Cox, who were five-star recruits. So does that change the, the, the I mean, math a little bit? It does, yeah, because Trask was a three-star prospect, but like was out of the top two thousand. Like that's not even on the radar. Like I don't it was like Florida his only Florida like, was, major Florida offer. was his only major offer, and because he was Derek King's backup in high school, but it was an odd situation because his parents didn't want to put him in another school. He could have yeah, started yeah. anywhere else, and he would have been a, a much higher rated prospect because you see that arm. I mean, that arm was always there. Yeah. yeah. No, I know. Uh, I'm in a fantasy football league where we draft developmental players, and he's on my team. Like I like, I like him. Like he, he just, uh, he's really good. But I don't know, like, if he's good enough to overcome the rest. And like I know in college football, quarterback is a very important thing. And did, I think we've said on this show that one five star quarterback hit um, changes the is math as good completely. as three or four yeah. other ones. So like, absolutely. But like we're talking Georgia, I think is the most talented team in college football outside of Alabama this year. Um, and like it's like because they had the first, the number one recruiting class two out of three years. Like it's like a pretty drastic amount. Yeah, they're the, they're the number one team in the 247 talent composites. They've got at least two more five-star prospects than all the other top five teams. And they like double up or triple up everybody else in the top 10. Like they have so much talent. It's like if they don't make the playoff or – it's like the biggest waste of talent since um, some of the Ohio State teams I covered. Well, now and now you know why Georgia fans are so puckered up about all this because yeah. they, they they got so close to a national title a few years ago, and then they should have won the SEC title in 2018, and then Jalen Hurts brings Alabama back against them. So, I mean, they're so snake bit and, and shook, and half of them are Falcons fans and had to go through 28-3 and then whatever that debacle was on Sunday. So it's – it's tough being them. <laughs> it is tough being them. So they, they want to see the dogs come out and, and beat Arkansas by a thousand so that they're ready for that Auburn game next week. But it yeah, I, I'm very intrigued at what this offense looks like. You know, what's the tempo like? How much design quarterback run is there? Uh it, it just if they can make that offense, I don't know, ten percent better than it was last year, you add it to that defense. There are very few teams other than Alabama that can hang with them. I think it's more likely that Georgia beats um, Alabama for the SEC championship than they lose to Florida for it. Wow! But you're gonna make you're gonna make people really mad around where I live. No, I like what Florida's doing, but like at a certain point, you did um, the talent discrepancy story with Dave Oven didn't with you? Tennessee, and and you see how close Florida and Tennessee are, which. If you look at the results, obviously Florida's won 15 of the last 16, so it's really hard for people to digest that they are closer than you'd think from a talent standpoint. Yeah, I mean, I did. I did. It was me. I did um, Florida-Alabama, 
And like the difference between Florida and Alabama, um, four star prospects or five star prospects on Florida's roster is four. Um, Alabama has twelve and Georgia has sixteen. Like that's huge difference. It's it, it f- it's it's similar to Michigan and Ohio State. Yeah, and how's that been going? I mean, like it, it just it's you know, and everybody's like, well, we'll see on the field. You're like, you're right. You might see it on the field. Maybe Florida will win. I'm not saying they have a zero percent chance of winning. I'm just saying, like, when you look at the math, it's asinine to make them favorites because of it. Well, I, w- like, I was they, surprised. This should be an upset. I was surprised that I, I didn't send in a vote on that one, but I, I figured Georgia would be favored to win the East. It was Florida. Now, Georgia got a lot of votes. Florida had a few more, but I was surprised. I thought that would be flipped just because I thought there'd be more people who were in the boat with me of, I think Florida could be pretty good, but it's hard to pick them over Georgia until I actually see them beat Georgia. Absolutely. I'm with you on that. So if, if you don't mind me changing uh, something. Go ahead. Uh, the SEC, I wanted to share something because I thought we were going to at least talk about the air raid coming to the SEC. Right? We, like, we can that was definitely gonna... talk about that. So I wanted to share a statistic that we found. Um, I'm running a story with Max Olson in the next few weeks, and we've, we're kind of putting it together now. Reasonable expectations in recruiting for all Power 5 teams. And we're going to release it conference by conference, so it's a little bit of a tease. And, but it took a lot of um, stats uh, getting looked up and a lot of research, and I want to shout out my editor, Mitch Light, for helping us out. But here is this stat. You ready? Ready. Washington State signed a total of six four-star prospects in the last 10 years. For comparison's sake, Oregon's 2021 class has 14 four-stars and five-stars on its current class. And this is the coach that brought Washington State into the con- – I don't think it was ever realistic they were going to make the college football playoff, but he took a team in multiple years and put them in a playoff discussion, having signed six four-star prospects in a decade. Big-time programs signed six four-star prospects or or get commitments from six four-star prospects in a month. And, like, to me, I think Mike Leach, despite the fact that he's certainly eccentric and kind of an interesting dude and sometimes ruffles people's feathers, might have the argument for best coach in college football. And, like, I don't know if this is going to work in the SEC. And, like, I know that, like, that is, like, maybe people are, like, screaming in, in the South right now for me saying that. But I'm very, very curious. And, I and, and, and look, guys, I know that, like, beating teams and winning six games in a row in the Pac-12 is a much different proposition than it is in the South and the SEC. But, like, I'm very curious to see what his offense and, like, what he can do in the SEC. I, I'm, and like that. I'm right there with you, Ari. And, and I've been telling people since he took the job. This, right out of the gate, Mississippi State 2020 will be the most talented team that Mike Leach has coached as a head coach. And that includes the the Crabtree teams at Texas Tech. Yeah, This will be the top-to-bottom most talented team he's ever coached. Now, it will also be the best top-to-bottom competition he ever faced in his own division. It's it, that You're stepping up there, too. But we've never seen him with this kind of talent before. We've seen him really digging and, and, and striking gold with guys like Hercules Mata'afa and, and, and dudes like that. This is He's going to play with some guys that are legit four-star prospects. Mississippi State every once in a while snags a five-star. Like They're going to have some dudes that are better than what he's dealt with before. Obviously, you've got to play Alabama, LSU, Auburn, Texas A&M every year. You're, you're, you got Lane Kiffin trying to upgrade Ole Miss's roster at the same time, so the, all of the challenges are, are also heightened. But I am fascinated to see what he can do 
with the talent level that he's inheriting. Yeah, and just for context purposes, Andy, Mississippi State is the 23rd most talented team in college football this year in the 247 talent composite, and like they're one spot behind North Carolina, and this team would be the fifth most talented team in the Pac-12. So like it's not like he's coming in with a loaded a roster that like would just like run through the Pac-12 too, but I think it, with this roster um, it's better than like the 11th or 12th most talented team in the Pac-12. Right, which is what he, he always he, had. Yeah. yeah. And at Texas but Tech, it's also it wasn't like, much better. But per your point, too, there's um, there are eight teams from the SEC in front of them at 23. Yeah. And like it's like I, I look at this list all the time. Sorry for the pause while I was adding it up. But like I look at this list all the time, and I am absolutely dumbfounded by how stacked those rosters are. It's like teams that you wouldn't even give a second thought to. Like South Carolina is like the joke of the SEC sometimes. They are the 21st most talented team I, in college I, football. I'm glad you brought them up because one of the more intriguing games for me this weekend is South Carolina-Tennessee because yeah. I don't know. Like Tennessee got quite a bit better as the season went on last year, and they were playing young some young players. It's clear that Jeremy Pruitt has done a decent job recruiting that they, he got them believing, but they also didn't play the best competition toward the end of last season. Give me the four. Give me the four. Yeah. You, you're saying South Carolina. Well, let me throw something else at you. Have you seen a picture of Colin Hill, the gentleman who won South Carolina's quarterback competition? Uh, this was the perfect segue. Go ahead. This, he, this is, the floor is yours. He looks like if you crossed a picture of Steven Garcia with every picture <laughs> you've ever seen of Jesus. He's a good-looking man. It's, I, uh, it's amazing. And so when South Carolina has a long-haired quarterback, I get excited. I, if you read my stuff in The Athletic, you know my favorite player growing up was Steve Tannehill. He had the most glorious mullet in the history of mullets, even better than Travis Tritt, and he was South Carolina's quarterback. Steven Garcia beat Alabama with Mark Ingram and Julio Jones on the team, mostly because of his hair. And he could also throw a little bit. But So are we are we going to go down the list of like some pretty cool – Long-haired well, who, quarterback? Who, yeah, who are your favorite long-haired quarterbacks through the years? Well, the first one that came to my mind was Arizona version of Nick Foles. Oh, yeah, he was uh, floppy. <laughs> and, like, everybody, like, was like, who's this guy? And then he showed up and, like, just tossed it around, and that was one of the rare times where it was actually an enjoyable experiment. I'm sure D'Antonio didn't want him growing the hair out when he was at Michigan State. Yeah, Kirk, let, he Kirk let Cousins it made him keep it high and tight. He gets down to Tucson, and he's like, ah, let's, let's grow it out. That that look works in Tucson. Trust me, I I, uh, I would know because um, I couldn't pull it off. But I watched a lot of people in my college class at Arizona pull it off, and it worked out well for them. Um, another one from that same era, Washington Isaiah Standback. You remember? Oh him? yeah, absolutely. Uh, he had a tremendous hair, and nobody and he brought it. And I think he played receiver for the Cowboys for a while. Um, but I I like I thought that like. That would be like a really funny name just to bring up from a blast of the past that people remember 15 years ago. And then Cole McDonald. Yeah, in Hawaii, I, I, like, I figured we were getting to Cole McDonald at some point. Yeah, yeah. It, um, blonde dreadlocks is always going to make I'll this throw list. another one out there. Alabama-era Jalen Hurts. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean – Because he, he had the tie going. Yeah, and, and I mean, I will never forget him coming into that 2018 SEC championship game. That was just one of the most amazing things I've ever seen. Like, the ultimate redemption arc – and no, he so he he definitely belongs on that list. But I'm telling you, the flow of Colin Hill 
makes me believe in South Carolina. And maybe I'm completely wrong. And, and maybe I'm a complete idiot because who's the best quarterback in South Carolina history? The very bald Connor Shaw. But yeah, I'll take well, Colin Hill and his flow. South Carolina's got some um, got some got something to look forward to in the next few years, man, because they just picked up a five-star prospect who like idolizes Shaw. And the reason why he's going to South Carolina is because he has a family connection to Shaw. Um, and like the fact that they he have play, a play, doesn't he play for Shaw's older brother, Jaybo Shaw? Jaybo Jaybo like Shaw must, was an option quarterback at Georgia Southern. I love love it. Is uh, Jaybo the most Southern name on planet Earth? Uh, I think I have to look it up. I don't know that. I don't think Jaybo is the is the given name. I think it's similar to you know. No, I know, uh, but just to, whatever. To Dab- like, well, Dabo. You know, Dabo is William Christopher Sweeney. But he's called Dabo because his older brother, Trip, another pretty southern name, said yeah. you know, couldn't couldn't pronounce that boy. And he'd point at him, he'd say that boy, he'd say Dabo. Dabo. And so that's that's <laughs> how the nickname was formed. So yeah. No, and anytime we can get a J Bo Shaw reference on this podcast, we are going to take it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they've got one commit in the twenty twenty two class and his name is Gunner Stockton. And I think it's important that we said his name because if your name is Gunner you automatically increase your chances of being a five-star quarterback by 50% when you come out of the womb. Gunnar Hoke like, is like, nodding as we speak. <laughs> yes, uh, and might be Ohio State's backup quarterback in sneaky situations this year. So, um, yeah, I, I f- top 25 player. Uh, this could be the turning point that we're, that Will Muschamp's been waiting for. And I don't know, like, I think Tennessee gets overly excited at the beginning of the year sometimes, and I don't need to bring up what happened last year, but, like, um, if they're not they're gonna be what they were at the beginning, of, can I, I, I'm just gonna get that. No, out I know, now. but they are I know, not. They'll be better than that. They're they're laying points on the road in week one. Like, I don't know. Well, I, I hope I don't know. I hope Colin Hill has a a long and fruitful career, as long and fruitful as his hair. Uh, he had three ACL tears at Colorado State, but he comes in, he knows the offense because Mike Bobo, former Colorado State head coach, is now the the OC at South Carolina. So. It could be very interesting. That game, I don't know what to expect, and that's one thing I'm just really excited about. I I love a game where I have no preconceived notions going in because I really have no clue what's going to happen. I'm super thankful that's a night game, too. Like It gives you something to look forward to all day. Yeah, I, like it feels like this feels great. I'm super excited for Saturday. Oh, it's going to be fantastic, fantastic. This feels like the season is upon us. We just talked about football for 40 minutes actual honest to god football it's and gambling don't leave that out well that's always one goes with the all yeah (laughs) no no i know i just wanted to make sure that we knew that we were talking about gambling too because it's my favorite topic of conversation well we we did and and we will throw those and recruiting (laughs) we will throw those in there on on fridays because i i don't gamble but i am fascinated by the number and the the point total and all those because i think (laughs) Vegas is very, very good at figuring out what's going to happen before it happens. So, can I can I just say one more, Andy? Before yeah, we go move ahead. on, Alabama's going to beat Missouri by more than twenty-seven, aren't they? I would think so. That one seems a little—I don't know. Maybe that one's fishy. I don't know what's going on now, there, but like I looked at it, I was like, "What?" Here's here's the thing: Is Alabama going to try to air it out too much? Are they going to they're going to hold a little back for Texas A and M the following week because they yeah. can just they can just run the ball and beat most teams. Yeah, also, uh, Texas A&M is giving 30-and-a-half to Vanderbilt, and Vanderbilt, I'm not sure, can even field a full football team right now. Their kicker opted so, out, Ari. 
Yeah, I mean, like, I don't think they have an offensive lineman that's that's that could start at any other SEC school. It's, it, it is going to be rough. But, listen, that's what you get, and you're getting a full slate such as it is of games. It gets fuller when the Big Ten comes back, but we can, we'll take this for now. Talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually we just brush it off or blame ourselves, saying things like, I lost my mojo, or we avoid it altogether with excuses like, I had a long day at work, or sorry, honey, I'm just not feeling it, or I can't believe they canceled Parker Lewis can't lose so early. But with Roman, it is easy to talk about it. With a real healthcare professional who can prescribe real medication, it's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all for the comfort and privacy of your own home. A healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com Andy and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today and connect with a healthcare professional and take care of it. Go to roman.com slash Andy today. If approved, you'll get $15 off your first order of ED treatment. That's getroman.com slash Andy. Getroman.com slash Andy. It is Friday, though, Ari, so that means we have to do a random ranking. I cheated. I'm using the random ranking I did in my Dear Andy column on Thursday. If you've already read it, I apologize, but now you get to at least hear me explain some of my picks. Uh, you had to go do this from scratch. Uh, fictional bands, and, and I'll say I can't take credit for the topic. That's uh, Jason Cole, the veteran NFL writer. Uh, he's got a new book on John Elway that's out. He's the one who threw this out here on Twitter the other night. And there was a song I wanted to put in here, Ari, but... I couldn't because I think it breaks the rules because Jason's original post, he said that you can't use a real band. It has to be a completely or a, a fictional band created for the movie or TV show that that we're talking about. So uh, you can't use this one. I, I this is this is one I really, really wanted. And I'll tell you why we couldn't use it in a second. The, the only good joke in the movie Eurotrip was that song. And Matt Damon played the, the lead singer of the band. The problem was the actual band, Lustra, that did the song is the backing band for Matt Damon in the scene. So it is an actual band and thus far, you know, unfortunately disqualified for, for our purposes. So Okay, well, now I have to take number four off my list. Oh, no. Well, it's, it's all right. You'll, you'll I didn't right. know that. Yep. Well, I'll go through... I'll go through a couple, you know, up from 10 because you, you don't have yeah, 10, I only you have five. five. So uh, Barry Jive and the Uptown Five from High Fidelity, which is, is Jack Black's character's band uh, that was originally called Kathleen Turner Overdrive. But then they, uh, they wind up performing as Barry Jive and the Uptown Five, and it's pretty tremendous. <laughs> I've been feeling 
I looked for Kyle Gass in this one because, you know, if, if the members of Tenacious D were both involved, then it probably would have been disqualified, but no. Uh, so number nine, Wild Stallions from Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Uh, I'm not sure we ever hear them play a song, but their music does save the world. I think the plot of the third Bill and Ted movie that's out now is about them actually learning to play their instruments or playing a song or something like that, but I think Weezer winds up playing the song. Um, number eight, Randy Watson and Sexual Chocolate from Coming to America. Number seven, The Folksman from A Mighty Wind. And yes, I realize that Harry Shearer, Christopher Guest, and Michael McKeon are members of another famous fictional band that we might be talking about later. Number six, Marvin Berry and the Starlighters from Back to the Future 1 and Back to the Future 2. And number... Uh, that Well, we'll stop there. And, and we'll go with your number five. Okay, my number five is Jesse and the Rippers. Uh, from Full House, and I don't know. Very nice, <laughs> um, Jesse Katsopoulos. <laughs> yes, uh, I just figured that uh, we never heard him uh, play a note, but uh, my girlfriend thinks he's the most handsome man in the world, so I thought that he deserved to at he least. He still be, is. He's, he's like John Stamos is like handsome. seventy years old, and he's still the most handsome yeah, man on earth. Yeah, so, it's incredible. Yeah, so I just figured Full House was something that I watched a lot as a child, and thought that that deserved to make my list. I, I I'm with you there. Uh, number five for me, Stillwater from Almost Famous. The only song we ever hear them play is Fever Dog. And then they sing Tiny Dancer on the Bus. But uh, Jason Lee playing the lead singer and uh, Billy Crudup as the, as the guitar player, Russell. That, my favorite line is, your looks are starting to become a problem. I, uh, the lead singer to the guitar player. I have a, uh, something that I need to admit publicly in front of everybody. I've never oh, no. seen this. Oh, God, here it comes. So, Almost Famous is my favorite Every, movie of all time. But that's the thing, Andy. Half the people say it's like the greatest movie ever, their favorite movie ever, and then half the people say it sucks. Well, half the people that you're talking to are people who are writers for a living. And, of course, anybody who's a writer for a living is going to romanticize a story about a, a high schooler getting to write for Rolling Stone. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I think that'd be kind of cool. By the way, I... I always imagine whenever I, when I worked at SI every time I talked to certain editors I would imagine them as Ben Fong Torres from Rolling Stone except not the real Ben Fong Torres but the one in the movie so I just I, I always that I pictured that and then I pictured the guy who played Dwight Schrute behind him because he he was in the Rain Wilson was in it too and he was just sitting in the office making faces as Ben Fong Torres talked to uh to the, the kid who was based on Cameron Crowe, essentially, because Cameron Crowe was writing for Rolling Stone at like 17 years old. So I, I, I feel was, like I had the talent to write for movie. Rolling Stone when I was 17. I just hadn't been discovered yet. I guarantee I did not have the talent. <laughs> <laughs> this is the, this, I, we, we, we actually had, it's funny, when I was in a fresh, well, no, I wouldn't have been a freshman. I was, oh, I was a junior in college. I was with a couple guys from the school paper. We were at Kenny Rogers Roasters, because Kenny Rogers Roasters had, a, a deal in Gainesville, six ninety nine all you can eat, and so I would go. My goal was to eat at least one whole chicken every time, and then you know eight sides or so. And so we we'd be there a little while. So we got to discussing things, and one of the guys goes, "You know, any of the three of us could write for Sports Illustrated." I'm like, "No, we could not." 
We could not write for sports. Real people don't write for Sports Illustrated. And he's like, no, I think we could. And I'm like, no, we couldn't. Like, we're going to go write for, I'm going to write for the Palatka Daily News, and you're going to write, write for the, the Lake City Reporter, and that's what's going to happen. And I thought about that conversation a lot when I, when I worked for Sports Illustrated for 11 years. Yeah, uh, well, maybe he was right the whole time. Or maybe you actually, like, progressed in this business, worked your ass off, and learned how to do the craft. Trust me, if you read the stuff I wrote in college, there was a progression, because that was garbage. It's funny you bring that up, because I have recently stumbled across old newspaper clippings um, in my childhood bedroom when I was visiting my parents a few months ago uh, from the college newspaper, and I don't even know how they published that stuff. It was unreadable. It's so... I I don't ever want to think about the stuff I wrote in college, because it's that bad. All right. Your number five. My number. I gave number five. This is my number four. Oh, sorry. Sexual four. chocolate, Randy Watson. So we already Very talked nice. about that. Listen, Coming to America, one of the all-time great movies. There, there's, it can do no wrong. I, I love that movie, and Randy Watson also can do no wrong. All right, number four. One of the catchiest songs ever recorded, and and one of the reasons this movie is so good is because this song was catchy. If this song had been bad, it wouldn't work. But this song is supposed to be a one-hit wonder. It's supposed to be like a complete earworm. So the group is The Wonders. The movie is That Thing You Do. The song is That Thing You Do. Yeah, I mean, the way you described it, there was no other answer that could have come after that. But it's such a good song. Bill Landis, my uh, ex-partner at the Ohio State Beat, loves uh, that movie. So I'm happy we brought that up. Nice shout-out to Bill, too. it is a tremendous song, and and so the guy who wrote it was a member of Fountains of Wayne, and he also wrote Stacy's Mom, which I think is another one of the catchiest songs of all time. So my number three? Number three for you. Prestige Worldwide. I don't know if that counts. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> uh, and I don't know if Absolutely. that's the name of the band, but... Uh, Matt, Max Olsen... Max Olsen, our colleague, would be thrilled. Uh, that's one of my favorite movies of all time, and I think it's like Dumb and Dumber is my favorite movie of all time. But Step Brothers, um, there's three. Step Brothers, Dumb and Dumber, and The Breakup. I could watch those movies a thousand times. Re- the Breakup? Really? The Breakup it's, it's is the... Downer. The Breakup's dialogue is by far the best written dialogue in any movie in American in the history of American cinema. Like, go watch wow. the movie over and over again and then, like, pay attention to the subtlety of how hilarious the whole movie is. And but like, I don't want to watch the movie over and over again because it brings me down. No, but, like, it's, like, it's like sad and it's, like, real life and I get that it ends sadly. But, like, it doesn't end that sadly because, you know, they see each other around at the end. But, like, the, the dialogue between Vince Vaughn and the way he talks, there's nobody more funny to me than him. So, um, but Prestige Worldwide... You got the uh, Boats and Hoes, the the song that they put out there, that music video. (laughs) If you don't think that movie's funny, then we've got nothing in common. So that movie's hilarious. All right. My number three, the Soggy Bottom Boys from Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? T-Bone Burnett did all the music for this movie. Tim Blake Nelson, I believe, sings on this, this track as well. And he's one of the main characters. So, uh love this movie. This is probably my favorite Coen Brothers movie, and I like most of them. My number two, um, I think that it is disqualified because um, I found out too soon before we were recording that this might be a real band, but the 
the bands and and has made multiple appearances in multiple movies, but it's the same lead singer. Um, is it the Dan the band? Dan band, yeah. So is that oh, like a real yeah. band? They like, are they are a real band. I didn't know that, they, but like he, yeah, they, they are tremendous. The movie at the end of or the the scene at the end of the Hangover and the scenes in Old School, like the guy is hilarious. And like I don't know, I know his whole shtick oh, is the, comedy. So I guess the this total count. eclipse of the heart in yeah. in Old School is just. <laughs> so I'm sorry I, if I don't add to this this one, but like that is. Um, I just think that that is so funny, and I just at least needed to be mentioned on this podcast. And if you didn't know it was a real band, then you learned something like I did today. There you go. Number two for me, the commitments from the commitments. They they hired these these actors based on their musical ability, and they created like this eleven piece Irish band that sang Motown songs better than anybody. It was just it was fantastic. Uh, so they are my number two. What is your number one? My number one is the band Infant Sorrow uh, from the movie Forgetting That's Sarah Marshall. That's another good one. Very nice. Elvis Snow. <laughs> yeah, we even get to see him uh, perform uh, a few songs. R- in, Russell in Brand movie, being very on brand. Russell Brand. Yeah. And Aldous Snow is one of the funniest movie characters ever. Um, I watched that how movie. Did, how did you feel about Get Him to the Greek? Uh, I thought it was fine. It wasn't nearly as good. Um, I think I only watched Get Him to the Greek once, and I've watched Forgetting Sarah Marshall 1.5 million times. For, forgetting Sarah Marshall is a classic. It is yeah. a great, like, because we, we've talked about, you know, some of these, you, you, you mentioned the breakup. I thought the breakup suffered a little bit from Wedding Crashers slash Stripes Disorder, where the first hour is a lot better than the, the second hour. Forgetting Sarah Marshall is funny all the way through. It it's, is It is great start to finish. I don't feel like enough people talk about how great that movie is. Yeah, I, it's it's weird because the characters are very endearing. Everybody plays their roles so well. Uh, Mila Kunis and Kristen Bell and Russell Brand are just off the charts good. Like I, I don't, yeah, I I don't get it either. The, the the guy who plays Kenneth in Thirty Rock is hysterical. Why would you put a garbage dump next to a playground? <laughs> Well, it hurts me. <laughs> I, uh, it, 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 I uh, it, it's amazing, uh, and I also have to make another um, confession, I guess, on this podcast. But I said earlier that I put Jesse and the Rippers on this because my girlfriend uh, loves. Uh, you, Stamos. you said you watched a lot, of, a lot of Full House. It's okay. Yeah, but I also like if we're talking about celebrity crushes, I am in love with Mila Kunis. So. Oh, I, I thought also, you were going to say you were in love with Kimmy Gibbler. So that's, <laughs> I thought that's where we were going with I the mean, full house thing. I mean, coin flip on those two. Um, but I just like, we, you got both of our celebrity crushes in one podcast. All right. So my number one, Spinal Tap. From This Is Spinal Tap. Uh, come on. There, there's no better band created for the movie. And like I said before, that group did get back together in a mighty wind. And look, Christopher Guest movies are phenomenal. I, I'm not sure. It's interesting because I think Best in Show is my favorite Christopher Guest movie, even over Spinal Tap and A Mighty Wind. Yeah, and I hate to. Uh, maybe I was like the worst guest ever today, but like I've never seen that either. And like I what? like I looked, well, wait, wait, which one have you never seen? Spinal Tap or I've never seen Spinal Tap, and I feel okay. like that was like That's I knew okay. that was going to be your number one before we started this. Because I feel like that would be everybody's number one, but I can't contribute to the conversation because I've never seen it. But at least you know, you like you understand like the cultural touchstones. Like their drummer, their drummers always die, and like sometimes people do spontaneously combust. So I mean, it's 
It's not one of those things that you have to have memorized the movie, but you, you kind of need to know a few of the cultural touchstones. Yeah. But have you seen? But have you seen the other Christopher Guest movies? Have you seen Waiting for Guffman or Best in Show or A Mighty Wind? No. Oh, Ari. I don't know Ari, if it's Ari, like before Ari. my time, but and I'm like I, I consider myself to be quite up to speed with movies. I watch them all the time, so I feel kind of. You're you're probably a little young, but like. If you watched Best in Show tonight, you would be rolling on the floor laughing. It's, okay, it I'm going to put it on my list because um, after all these sporting events tonight, I'm going to want to watch something to wind down. Maybe I'll try that. There you go. You you know we're we're recording this on a Thursday. You're going to watch Gardner Minshew against Fitz Minshew Magic against Fitz Magic. No Minshew Mania against Fitz Magic, and then a little Best in Show, a little Catherine O'Hara, Eugene Levy. It'll be great. I love Eugene Levy, so that's good to know. Oh, he's in all of them. <laughs> so you, you get, you, you're, you're good there. So, all right, Ari, it has been a pleasure. Your rankings, as usual, are wrong. Mine are right. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. But, Ari, we have a full day of football tomorrow. The SEC joins the fray. Starting to feel normal. Yeah, I love being on the podcast before the game, so when I'm wrong about everything I said, then – uh, you and Nicole I've get the wrap I've completely forgotten by next week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. By the time I'm back here on Thursday, we're already talking about next Saturday. Um, I'm gonna take some notes. Uh, if you're hitting Oklahoma State hard. If I if if West Virginia wins, the wrath. The I think wrath I, will be I think I put you. myself in a bad position with South Carolina, but I like Kentucky, South Carolina, and Oklahoma State of the three we talked. Oh, and Alabama. Put the bag on it. <laughs> Ari Wasserman's either going to make you some money or send you to the poorhouse. Thank you so much. We will talk to you after the games late, late Saturday night.